Hello, I'm Simon Thompson, Chief Executive of the Chartered Banker Institute and author of Green and Sustainable Finance Principles and Practice. In both those roles, I spend a lot of my time speaking with policymakers, regulators and banking and finance professionals to try to understand how we can better build the capacity, capabilities, the culture required to align banking and finance with the objectives of the Paris Agreement and broader sustainability goals. So kind of conversations about climate risk, about green sustainable finance, increasingly about nature-based risks and finance, and how the banking sector can and must lead the global transition to net zero and create shared prosperity for current and future generations. So I'd like to summarise all this as green conversations, if you like. And I've been fortunate to meet many interesting, expert and inspiring individuals along the way. And so I thought it'd be a good idea to record and share some of these green conversations for a wider audience of Institute members and others, and in particular to try to move these conversations on from the big picture, the headline announcements and commitments we hear from finance sector alliances and individual institutions, and talk about what needs to be done by banking and finance professionals working in the front line of sustainability to put green and sustainable finance principles into practice so they in turn can have green conversations with their customers, clients and colleagues. I'm delighted to welcome today one of the most expert and inspiring individuals I've come across so far to episode five of Green Conversations, Sarah Rickard, HSBC UK's Head of ESG and Reputational Risk. Hello, Sarah. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, Simon. You you are too kind uh, saying that I'm inspirational, <laughs> but I'm very pleased to be here today. Not at all. Well, I, I think our I think our listeners will hear exactly why I described you uh, as that in a, in a few minutes. Um, and uh, for the benefit of our of our listeners, um, just to go through Sarah's biography. So Sarah's an accomplished ESG leader with more than twenty years experience in financial services, in risk management, commercial banking, and transformation, and currently leads the ESG risk agenda for HSBC in the UK. She holds degrees in both physics and financial services, and so is really well placed academically and through her experience to understand the science behind climate change and how banking plays a role in addressing what is our greatest collective global challenge. And Sarah has been a member of the Institute's Climate Risk Syllabus Panel that developed our Certificate in Climate Risk, which we launched with our colleagues at the Chartered Body Alliance in 2021. Now, Sarah's interest in sustainability extends beyond her work and beyond banking. And she's recently established a community bee farm in conjunction with a local charity. And we may well get into questions later about bee corps and the links between the worlds of money and honey. But first, Sarah, when when you joined financial services, we didn't really think about climate risk and we didn't have sustainability teams in banks. So how did you get involved in this area? How did your interest in it develop? And, And how's your career in banking evolved to the point now where you've become one of the UK's senior sustainability leaders? Yeah, well, um, of course, over the past few years, um, sustainability has become a hugely important issue and not just in financial services, but for everybody. So since the start of my career, which seems a a long time ago now, over 20 years, um, our impact on the environment, particularly climate change, is much better understood. And it's clear that large organisations need to be part of the solution to climate change. And that's hugely exciting. And I can't think of a more important opportunity and challenge for this industry. And for me as a risk professional, the risks that environmental issues pose are clearly very significant. 
So it's right that I should be interested in them. But unlike many colleagues in this area, my background actually isn't in sustainability. I'm very much a banking generalist. So I've worked in a variety of roles in different parts of the bank, um, including the branch network and many years in commercial banking, working with businesses across the UK. And I've led large transformation projects as well as risk management roles. And I've developed subject matter expertise along the way. And I believe that that sort of experience is actually really valuable in sustainability teams because it gives a broad and deep understanding of our organisation and importantly of our customers. Um, and that's so important when we're developing policies and risk management approaches. And it's also important that whatever we do is meaningful for our customers and for our colleagues. And of course, on a practical level, that it's easy to operationalise. Um, I get asked quite a lot by colleagues about how they can move into a career in sustainability. And the reality is that there are many different routes in, unless, of course, you want to work in a very specialist role like climate modelling. And large organisations need a mix of people with different experiences. So while sustainability specialists are really valuable, then equally people with a breadth of banking experience are also really valuable. And the bank needs both to be successful in sustainability. And one other final piece of advice that I always give to people is that the reality is there are relatively few roles that are solely focused on sustainability. There are a much larger number of roles where sustainability is part of what they cover. So, for example, there are risk and compliance roles which cover climate risk, amongst other issues. So these sorts of roles might be a helpful career choice if you want to move into sustainability. And I guess that really reflects the fact that sustainability and ESG issues are becoming part of everything we do rather than being a separate risk issue on their own and they have to and if we are going to align finance and sustainability we can't just keep building ever bigger sustainability teams it has to yep. become part of everybody's role and everyone's professional practice i think yes um no and, and um because when we when we first met you were you were head of climate risk for the bank um you're, you're now head of esg risk and maybe this also refers back to some of the things you just kind of talked about how this is an evolving area and, and things like this but you know for the benefit of those listening who um, sort of may not quite understand the difference between the terms or how they're linked and so on what what view is the difference between being ahead of climate risk and ahead of ESG risk and, and maybe more broadly what does that sort of change in terminology imply about how uh, the banking sector is evolving in terms of addressing broader sustainability issues now? Yeah, well, um, I mean, look, firstly, it goes without saying that climate risk is a, a hugely important topic for banks and is certainly one of considerable focus for HSBC. And I believe the banking industry has, as a whole, responded strongly to climate change. And I think it's leading many other sectors in terms of transition planning. And in the UK, the majority of large financial institutions have made net zero commitments and they're investing in building capabilities to measure financed emissions, to incorporate transition plans within their strategies and of course to manage the financial risks posed by climate change. And actually if we look at our regulatory environments in the UK, the PRA have set clear expectations about management of climate risk. So this is really firmly on the agenda for the industry. 
So what's ESG risk? Well, it covers environmental, social and governance issues. And for me, it is in its widest sense about how we make decisions and how we assess the impact of those decisions and how we ensure that the right decisions are being made for our planet and our society, which, of course, also includes our customers. And alongside this, I'm seeing a trend across the industry of expanding climate risk scope to wider ESG issues. And I guess that reflects the change in, our, in, in my role. So as an example, we're not solely considering transition risks, but we're considering the just transition, which is about responding to climate change in a way that doesn't result in negative social impacts. And I liken this to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. These are all about ESG. Climate action is just one of the 17 goals. And importantly, they're all interlinked. It's not always helpful to consider them separately. And that's why the banking industry is, is starting to look more widely at ESG issues. And one final point I'd make is it's interesting to look at um, to, to look more globally at the actions being taken by other central banks. So some are taking a much wider lens than just climate. So for example, if you look at what the ECB are doing, they are looking at environmental risks, which includes things like biodiversity. And my expectation is that we will see a gradual widening of regulatory expectations in the UK as, as well as elsewhere. I mean, and I hope we do um, on sustainability grounds, but because um, uh, it, it is, it, I think it seems very clear to me that um, if we try to address climate by itself, we will simply fail to address climate because yeah. particularly biodiversity on land and in the oceans uh, and sort of um, uh, addressing biodiversity loss and reversing that it will be a key part of uh, making sure we can achieve a more sustainable uh, sustainable planet um, but it is such a complex and, uh, and such a big area you know even for the largest institutions um, and seems an area where actually we need you know genuine collective action not just across banking and financial services but from you know the the, the government the intergovernmental sector and so on as well that's what you know is genuinely our, our greatest collective global challenge I, I feel. I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and like I said earlier, you know, it's not just a challenge, but a great opportunity and one that I, I can't think of, of of anything that's more important than this. And on the, the subject of opportunities, where do you see some of the, the key opportunities for, for retail and commercial banks in, in particular in the, in the UK? So in the UK, um, I mean, it's really clear that the demand for transition finance is strongly growing. So this is finance to help businesses invest in their response to um, the move to a lower carbon economy. So potentially things like investing in, in renewables. Demand for green bonds is very strong and other green investments as well as people are more concerned about what their savings and their investments are financing. Um, in, in retail banking, then green mortgages are becoming more of a feature and demand for retrofit financing and electric vehicle financing are also key opportunities for banks that um, are really developing at the moment. And actually with my risk hat on, um, from a risk perspective, increasing green financing is a way to mitigate some of the risks from climate change. So uh, reducing transition risk in our portfolios. So 
that's another reason why transition finance is such an important opportunity for the banks. I mentioned at the, the start of our conversation that uh, Sarah has been a member of our syllabus panel that developed the certificate in climate risk. Um, and we started work on that sort of more than two years ago now. And there'll be an updated version coming out this this autumn. Um, there's been a huge amount of development in the climate and broader ESG field over the past 12 months alone. So, Sarah, what, what do you see as some of the emerging areas in, in climate and, and broader sustainability risks that, you know, in your view, finance and risk professionals should, should now be kind of aware of and, and follow developments in? Mm. So, I mean, yeah, we've already talked a lot about some of the, the, the changes in the industry. So, for example, looking beyond solely climate change impacts, and that's probably a sign of maturity about the way we're thinking about this subject. But one activity of particular note, I guess, over the past 12 months has been the climate scenario testing that has progressed, where we've, we've really seen significant progress in our capabilities across the industry. And that's partly been driven by the Bank of England's requirements. And I think this has had two important outputs. One, of course, is the results of the analysis, which are really interesting and will inform risk strategies across the financial services industry. But secondly, and possibly even more important, in my opinion, is that it's driven a development of climate data infrastructure and modelling. And this has been really quite revolutionary. So the financial sector has not typically done scenario modeling beyond five years. And now we're using 30 year timescales. And likewise, we certainly have not considered the types of data that we now need for the management of climate risk. So there's still a long way to go, but I think let's not underestimate how much progress has been made in the past the past year. Great, thank you. And then the Finally, and I've, I sort of flagged this at the beginning of our conversation, and I, I suspect it's something our listeners have been um, uh, waiting to hear more about. You, know, you have a strong commitment to sustainability outside of banking, you know, as I understand it, a, a successful beekeeper. So, so how how can banks and bankers best help bees and and biodiversity more generally? That's something we've we've just touched on in a couple of the other questions. So, so if you if you were taking off your banking hat and putting on your beekeeping hood and veil I guess it is so what do environmentally positive SMEs you know like your own need from banks and bankers um, and also what can bankers learn from bees or are the lessons we can learn from the from the world of bees mm. so um, yeah well firstly I'm not I'm not sure successful is always quite the right description for my beekeeping sometimes it feels like my bees survive despite my beekeeping not because of it um, but no currently I have 14 hives and it's fair to say that it's taken over my life at this time of year because it's swarm season and the bees are really really busy um, but no bees are incredible a bee colony is a massively efficient and productive superorganism. And at this time of year, it contains around 50,000 bees. Um, And large organizations could learn a lot from bees. You're right. They are experts at communication. Mm -hmm. And what I find really incredible is that each of those 50,000 bees has a clear role. So it's different to what others do within the colony they don't all go out collecting nectar and pollen so there there are different jobs to do within the hive so actually it is quite like working in a large company Um, but biodiversity is a really interesting area for banks nature related risks 
are starting to feature in the ESG risk agendas across the industry. HSBC is a signatory to TNFD, the Task Force for Nature Related Financial Disclosures. This is similar to TCFD, which you might have heard of, which is a set of guidelines for climate related disclosures and is widely adopted now across financial services and actually many other sectors as well. And it's driven widespread changes in measuring climate impacts. And it's likely that over time, nature related disclosures will also be widely adopted. And I hope they are, but there are some considerable challenges around data, for example. So we always mention data being an issue for climate risk. And with nature related risks, I think it's even more pronounced. So with climate, we knew what we wanted to measure, which was carbon emissions. We just had to sort of figure out how to do that. With nature related risks, I'm not sure we even know what we want to measure yet. So it's it's even more of a challenge. But there, there's lots of work going on and um, it certainly is an interesting area to be working in. And, and there's opportunities on this side, too. Um, I mean, you know, you know, it sounds like in 14 hives to me actually sounds like not an SME. It sounds like quite a quite a major undertaking. In fact, I don't know how much honey comes out of that. But <laughs> but on the but on the sort of macro level, um, you know, the World Economic Forum, I think, was it last year, identified some sort of 44 uh, was it 44 trillion dollars of opportunity from sort of nature based economy over the next kind of 20, 20 or so years. Um, so you know, this isn't something that is we we, we should. We shouldn't be thinking this is just about kind of, you know, small eco-friendly businesses. Actually, it's another sort of frontier for for lending and investment and for kind of scaling up nature positive businesses, um, you know, all around the world on a very significant scale. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And there have been some studies in terms of how important nature is to industry. Um, And there's a statistic which is that the majority of world GDP is reliant on nature in some shape or form. Pollination is is an obvious example. Things like water availability as well, really key to a lot of sectors. So absolutely, it's a, it's a really important topic that we're we're really starting to look at, and, and it is really interesting. Yeah, and of course, pollination is you know what you're you're helping with the the beekeeping and so on. So can we? Yeah. Can we can we expect to see kind of um, hives being rolled out across the HSBC network in, um, um, not, in the near no, future? No one's asked me yet, so I'm not sure that's on the agenda. In fact, you do. There is a there's a serious point in that you don't need too many honeybees around because then they outcompete the the other uh, solitary bees that and the bumblebees that are in the UK. So you need to get a balance. Like everything, it's all, all a right. balance. Uh, but I like to think that I'm I'm doing my own little part in terms of pollination. Oh, you, de- you def- definitely are. And uh, no, thanks for joining me for a fascinating and, and yeah, I think the most wide ranging green conversation sort of I've, I've, I've had so far. I mean, I certainly enjoyed it and I'm sure our members and our other listeners would have learned a, a great deal from your personal and professional insights. And well, I hope it will have inspired other sustainability journeys in, in banking, um, you know, in beekeeping or whatever else they, they want to do. And please let us let us know. Please share your comments and feedback with us via the usual institute channels and social media and also let me know in particular if if you like Sarah integrate sustainability into your life beyond banking it would be great to hear more about you know what our members do and to be able to share your stories with our networks through the institute uh, too 
But ultimately, if we are going to align finance and sustainability, which is where we we, we started talking today, we, we need all banking and finance professionals to join in this idea of a green conversation and, and start their own green conversations with customers, colleagues and in your own communities. So, you know, please do get talking and thank you for joining us.